Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Now we find ourselves in late December I believe that New Year's Eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender But they don't remember Anger wants a voice, voices want to sing Singers harmonize till they can't hear anything Thought that I was free all that questioning But every time a problem ends Another one begins And the stone walls of harmony all bear witness Anybody with a word in mind Can never forgive the sight Wicked snakes inside a place That is the sound of Vampire Weekend uh, Which is not what's happening to you this weekend. It's actually the name of a band. You should know that. They're incredibly popular. They've been around a little bit more than 10 years now. They have uh, had two consecutive number one uh, albums. Their last two albums have gone number one on the Billboard Hot whatever, 200. Uh, And uh, this one, Father of the Bride, may do very much the same thing. Uh, They are the weird... Uh, almost paradoxical thing a popular indie band um, so I mean like a really popular indie band uh, so joining us here in the studios of the our New Haven studios for the notes this is so exciting so um, the reason we're down here in New Haven mainly uh, is because um, pizza a love story which for filmmaker Gorman Bouchard it's like his Chinese democracy he's been working on it for you know quite a few years now and <laughs> and everybody's like been asking each other in the streets is it ready yet it's coming out when is it ready you know so pizza a love story which is his documentary Serenade uh, to the Pizza of New Haven will have its New Haven premiere at this year's uh, NH Docs, the New Haven Documentary Film Festival, on Saturday, June 1st. Be more information uh, at n-hdocs.com. Uh, and you should look there because there's all kinds of other stuff happening and famous people are coming here. Michael Moore's coming here. Michael Moore yeah. here for three days. Penny ba- ba- Baker is coming here. All these, Baker, yeah. yeah, all these people. So uh, Gorman Bouchard is here as a member of the Nose Panel. Also with us, Lucy Gelman, editor of the Arts Paper and host of WNHH Radio's Kitchen Sink. That's S-Y-N-C. Uh, and Brian Slattery is arts editor for the New Haven Independent and a producer at WNHH Radio. And I think relevantly, a musician. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Finally relevant. Well, no, it's, <laughs> it's frequently relevant. Um, so um, we are going to begin by talking about Vampire Weekend and, and sort of like, you know, the migration that certain acts make from being critical darlings and understood to be cool and, and in style to becoming out of style. Uh, and it's often a very short trip these days. Uh, we'll also talk, so we're going to talk first about Vampire Weekend, then about Gorman's documentary, and I think by extension about New Haven Pizza um, and its cult-like standing. Uh, so um, 
I don't know where to begin. So we should just, uh, the history of Empire Weekend, uh, I think 10, 12 years uh, ago, uh, they were formed at an Ivy League school, Columbia University. Uh, they, well, I think if you're sitting there going, I don't know who this is. I've never heard of Empire Weekend and I don't know any of their music. We're going to play something and like a third of you are going to go, okay, they do that. Gilman is over there just sobbing with all the memories that this I song uh, brings back. I so am. that this, the opening salvo by Vampire Weekend really did uh, stir your soul, I believe. It did. It totally did. Um, so I discovered, discovered in air quotes or whatever, um, I, I started listening to Vampire Weekend, I think when I was a junior or a senior in college. And I, I really loved them. I really thought it was genuinely good and interesting and intellectual music. And I will say Vampire Weekend played uh, a really big role in probably my first significant relationship. Um, I, you know, I, I remember evenings spent listening to Vampire Weekend, talking to friends who also really enjoyed Vampire Weekend. When I eventually broke up with this person, Vampire Weekend was sort of the, unfortunately, the soundtrack to our breakup. <laughs> And, uh, and, um, so I, and then I remember listening to Vampire Weekend on a plane when I was headed abroad for the first time in my life. And, and so it kind of has scored major events in, in a way that maybe I didn't expect and I didn't think about until this album. But I will say when I, not to jump the gun, but when I moved to New Haven, that was the first time I really started listening to and reviewing live music so I, d- I didn't do that until way after grad school and that was this moment where I thought oh my goodness I I've been so very wrong about so many I mean I also I really liked Mumford and Sons which is a whole other thing but but I thought I've been so wrong um this is this is what good music when I was going to live music shows of groups that had much uh smaller profiles than Vampire Weekend this is really what music is is supposed to sound like. And I, I will say Brian Slattery has uniquely and wonderfully uh, ruined Vampire Weekend for me. <laughs> in, Although in he, a, he may be going in the other direction <laughs> right now, too. Yeah, right. I just want to say the Mumford & Sons thing, I think, isn't a beautiful. whole other thing in the sense that Mumford & Sons was famously dismissed by somebody as posh boys with banjos. Yeah. You know, and these are kind of posh boys with a lot of world music instruments, which is not to say that they're vapid and bad and stuff like that. No, Although, no, it is. For that point of view, <laughs> I would like, I would now, I will now ask Gorman, and I should say that Brian is a musician. Gorman has made a number of documentaries uh, about rock groups like The Replacement and Archers of Loaf, uh, so he's a great lover of popular music. You know, Lucy has just discovered her, uh, just uh, d- disclosed her introduction to Vampire Weekend. What was it like for you? I already know the answer. Yeah, to this well, question. I mean, I when it first came out, the the album got it was a, a back then it was new release Tuesday, not new release Friday. I remember I got the album, and was such a hype about it. I put it on, I played it, I played it actually three times in a row, trying to find one note that could you know justify the existence of this record. <laughs> I, I basically 
thought that the, it was it was everything that was bad about rock and roll music it was 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 they were the poster boys i mean and then when you see them on saturday night live and they're all wearing their matching v-neck sweaters that look like they probably knitted themselves i realized <laughs> that it's like not only they they literally took rock and roll they held it up by its throat and with a dull butter knife castrated it and and they unfortunately then gave like uh, you know, way to some more, just so many horrible copycat bands like Fun, uh, Fun Period, I guess, however you want to say their name, uh, and you know, and other bands of that ilk, and it just, it was just one wimpy band after another, and it just, you wanted to just take these people and run them over with a pickup truck. All right. <laughs> so, Brian, I'm not even going to ask you a question. I'm going to let you respond. There's so is much there, middle so, ground. Yeah, there's just yeah, exactly. wander around. A huge it. amount of terrain is yeah. open to you right now. So, okay, when the first Vampire Weekend album came out, um, being a musician and a huge music nerd, I was already a huge fan of uh, lots of different kinds of African music. So, uh, when I first heard their album, I thought, oh, I know what records they listen to. Nice try, guys. Um, and that was kind of about it. And the other part of it was that some of it really rubbed me the wrong way. Like, they, one of the titles of their songs and the first album is Cape Cod Kwasa Kwasa. So Kwasa Kwasa is a, a dance style from the 80s um, uh, from uh, uh, Congo. And the idea that they were grafting this onto Cape Cod struck me as like the sort of, you know, the way that the way that uh, college students can inadvertently be racist. <laughs> it felt like that to me. You know, it was like, oops, <laughs> you know, you've stepped on a huge cultural landmine that you're not even aware of because you probably didn't leave campus very much. And that was sort of how I felt about their first album. Um, that said, like having listened to the to the most recent album, I do feel like they've digested their influences a little bit more, which makes sense given you know it's been like a decade. Um, and it's cool to to see that they are like I if you if you told me that they didn't have any world music influences, I would believe you. You know, there's there's actually not a lot of them on this album. Well, I think it's at like, times it sounds like. To me, it sounds more like they listen to a lot of seventies R and B. To me, it way. sounds like they listen to a lot of Wilco and and yeah, maybe yeah. even the Grateful Dead. They sound like the Grateful Dead with a plan. There's totally no. some Grateful Dead going no. on, and like I, there's some things I really like about the way that they play. Like for example, I love that they don't just hit all six strings of the guitar all at once all the time. Yeah, That's, I was going to say that too. That rules. I'm so into the like <laughs> bands that don't you know just strum away. So there's things Lucy, I really you noticed that right that they don't hit all six strikes. <laughs> I had no idea I, what he's talking about. I did actually. Yeah. Can I share a really yeah. quick anecdote? Yes, so may. this is this is also yes. about how Spotify has ruined our ability to listen to music and to free associate. But on Spotify, I was listening to the album, and Spotify does this thing where it tries to go on to similar music once you've finished listening to something. And I thought, wow, I just listened to this album I didn't really like, but this song is really good. And then I realized it was The Shins, <laughs> and and that it was no longer Vampire yeah, yeah. Weekend. So, um, and I had a little laugh but about that. I do feel like this album suffers from being overlong. It's 18 songs. And it's almost an hour. It's really, that's like a long time, mm-hmm. you know? And there's, uh, like, like this is like the typical criticism of lots of long albums, but there's basically a much better, shorter album mm. that's about half as long. There's, there's um, a slattery cut. Sitting the, inside right. this larger album. There's an eight-song you know. slattery cut, which is Harmony Hall, This Life, Sunflower, Bambina, Rich Man, Jerusalem, New York, Berlin, Unbearably White, uh, and maybe a little bit uh, and then half shorter of one of the other ones. Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, there's a reason that vinyl albums had 20-minute sides. Mm. I mean, that was it. 40 minutes yeah, is the yeah. perfect length for an album. Yeah. It's a good length. Yeah. There, good there, length. there are a lot of throwaways. I mean, I, have a, I think, and I think you've made this point too, Brian, that a lot of songwriters these days don't 
got rid of the chaff, right? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I even think Elvis Costello is a little bit guilty of this. There's some songs that he writes that are not that good and they wind up on albums. Ani DeFranco, I don't think has ever thrown a song away, ever, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and these guys don't seem to have done it this time either. Yeah, which is really something because like the the songs all they sound there there's a bunch of them that sound really similar to mm-hmm. each other and then you you listen to them side by side and go like well this is just like this song except it's a better version of it. So why did you put the not as good version also on it? Okay, but, I th- but, you know. oh, can you just hold the thought for a second? Actually no, say it, say it and then we'll I want to do I want to do a friend experiment on Gorman. Oh, I I mean I I was going to say there is this really interesting contrast though of maybe gratuitous material and very sleek production value like it was too slick for me. Mm-hmm. That's something that I really detest in, in most music. Yeah, I, I wanted it, like, I, I like rough edges. I, I think that yeah. can be nice in music. I want it to sound like it was recorded in your bathroom on, like, an old cassette <laughs> but player. I mean, don't you have to, at a certain point, accept what an artist is trying to do? No. Mm. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, that... that <laughs> I, we could have, like, this whole conversation about <laughs> right. production values yeah. and what they mean and right. signify yeah. and yeah. all of those I things. mean, years and years ago, I was yeah, a really, yeah. really bad rock critic, and that was my problem. I couldn't just accept what the artist was trying to do. I just, like... <laughs> so I didn't like Van Halen. Van Halen was really good at being Van Halen. I just didn't particularly like, like that kind of stuff. So... Um, they're and, devastatingly good at it, though. Yeah, they're really good at it. So, it's, <laughs> And I should have acknowledged that. And I, that's... So... So I'm going to play what I think is the most catchy and fun, like, you know, bustling around the kitchen kind of song. And I'm going to see if Gorman can maintain his hatred for it for like a full 70 seconds. This is called Stranger. Things have never been stranger. Things are going to stay strange. I remember life as a stranger But things change Another night indoors Another sign of All right, this is a mistake because, like in the car, I really like this song, but in sitting next to Gorman listening to it, it sounds very weak to me. It, it makes it makes a boy band like InSync sound like Black Flag. InSync was they were very good at what they were trying to do, you know. They were amazing at what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. InSync. So, um, the, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't hate this album. I think Brian's right that there's it's too long, uh, and there are songs that are not that good. There are songs where there's a song called. Oh, I've already forgotten the name of it. But it's the one that has like the crashing symbols at the end. Do you want to sing it? You could sing it. I could sing it, yeah. Sympathy. Sympathy. Sympathy, Sympathy, yeah. And so Sympathy has like all this little weird production stuff and this little tapey stuff, you know, where he's like saying some kind of consonant sound and it cuts off and and it doesn't really seem to add up to anything. It just seems like. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the like the the lo fi stuff on this album. It felt a little awkward. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like I didn't understand what it was doing there, I guess. Yeah, even I mean, even listening to Stranger, there's this when when you're listening to bra- like good brass, there's this really sweet spot. I feel like when the brass comes in and you're like, yeah, yes, this is it. And that 
it, it does nothing. We're a long way from an Al Green record. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, you know what it is. I mean, you know how like Ritter Van Fleet sounds like a bunch of kids that just sort of listened to a Led Zeppelin record and then tried to make one. <laughs> I, I, I feel that I feel that that's you know it's like and it's, I remember back then the to me the comparisons to Graceland, which I always thought was a spectacular, perfect record, were insulting. I mean, really insulting. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the way that I mean, Paul Simon had the had the brilliant move of just hiring this amazing band for that album. Mm-hmm. You know, so those, like... It and might, an- another amazing band for Rhythm of the Saints, too. Absolutely. You know? and, the, and the big thing that they have going for them that Vampire Weekend doesn't is that, like, those guys, their rhythm was just impeccable. It's, like, tight as a drum. And, mm-hmm. like, Vampire Weekend has never managed to actually get that tight as a band, mm-hmm. which is the main reason why they can't quite pull off the whole world music thing. Is like, you have to have a better sense of rhythm than that. The other question that I had was, and I don't, I know very little about Vampire Weekend, uh, or at least I did, I knew very little about it when we went down this road, um, but you know, my sense is that they are also a little bit known for their lyrics, and that this that Ezra Koenig, who is the front man of the band, has something to say, and so I was making an effort to try to figure out what it was that he had to say, uh, and that really, I, I actually do like a lot of the songs on this album. I sort of like the slattery cut on this album. I'll probably put a few of these songs on <laughs> On, on playlists and stuff like that. I like them enough to do that. But there is, for example, a song called We Belong Together that has lines like, we go together like uh, Keats and Yates like bulls and plates. Um, and I said to Brian earlier, if they're trying to write a really stupid song and like intentionally do something, because like Paul Simon will do that sometimes too. He'll write a song that he's trying to show, be kind of stupid in an amusing way. Well, then that's good because that's really stupid. <laughs> yeah, or like the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> right. I always think of them as the kings and queens of the like wonderfully stupid song. Yeah, and so there's sort of that. Uh, there are lines that I just, I mean, he 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 does like sort of little punchy lines, like you know, we got married in a gold rush. The rush was never the same. Or uh, there was one. Uh, I, I I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die, you know, or something like that. And I, I, you know, that I can live with that. But there was one that this. I, I'm paraphrasing. And I mean, I get it exactly right anyway. Which is, our we learned that our disease is the same as the trees, unaware that they were living in the forest. And I thought that's a pretty high standard to hold trees to, <laughs> but they're supposed to know that they're living in a forest. Yeah, and I still don't know what the disease is. <laughs> But I think the trees <laughs> are aware that they're living. I mean, this is a, a different show So you, you show think he's dumping on trees. Yeah, unfairly. I do. Yeah. I, I really do. I think that our ecosystem is incredibly intelligent and sensitive. But that's yeah. Which makes it that but much harder to be they vegetarian. Are. <laughs> I don't think Vampire Weekend is. That's the problem. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I, right. Trees, yes. Intelligent. Trees could probably make better music. Uh, the trees yeah. say they like the first album better. Yeah. Uh, they've listened to all, the, all, <laughs> exactly. four, all four Vampire Weekend albums. Well, this, I mean, there's a sort of a subset here, which is how we decide. I mean, we're having trying to have a critical conversation right now. But there's also a way in which sort of things become cool or they become less cool. And Vampire Weekend's an odd instance because there were, you know, Lucy was probably at the perfect target demo moment for Vampire Weekend, so she really liked it when it came out. There were like a lot of people 10 years older than you right, th- right then, but similar to you, who were kind of hating them yeah. for some of the Bouchard reasons. You know, they're just, they are posh boys in V-neck sweaters, you know, ripping off albums that, you know, that Brian already has the, you know, and, but now we're all kind of crossing in the night here. Like you're crossing over to the anti-vampire side and yeah. Brian's pro 
vampire a little bit more than he used to be. And Gorman yeah. will go on Pro-ish. hitting them until the end of time. Yes, yes, yes. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sort of wonder about that, like how we how we make those kinds of decisions too. You know, um, how we decide something that maybe even we used to like is like all wrong now. For you, Lucy, you say it was just exposure to other stuff. I, th- I think for me, a huge amount of it was exposure to live music. And I actually think, if anything, it's a case study for why people should be exposed to live music in whatever city they're living in. Because I don't think I realized how much talent, um, act, like actual musicians who don't, I'm not saying they're not actual musicians, but... Um, I, I don't think I was as sensitive to how much talent people have to have, especially to give a live show. And I've seen some really good live shows from from big bands. Before we were on, Mike Gorman and I were talking about how the Decemberists actually give a very good show. And they're another band in sort of the same vein where people have said, oh, they're very literary, they're very smart. Um, but I'm sure that lots of folks have, have issues with them too. They may be suffering a little bit too from the fact that Popular music is really quite good right now. <laughs> there's a lot Some. of like when Some. you say I mean, pop, when you say popular music, like there's there's you're not people, talking about Shawn Mendes or, or maybe you are. No, or, I mean the, probably like the, the the gold standard for this would be like Kendrick Lamar, right? Where yeah. he sells millions of records and makes amazing albums. Right. And there's there's several people who are like that right now. Mm. A lot of like a lot of people are hearing a lot of really good stuff, mm. and that ha- that's a thing that's changed a little bit in the last 10 years like we're we're at a, we're at a pretty fun point for popular music so uh good luck to you in, vampire weekend but you know? that goes in waves i mean absolutely. If you go back to the beginning of the 90s oh absolutely you know nirvana sort of changed the face of mm-hmm. what yeah. we were listening to in rock and roll and you know heroes essentially a punk band you know with number yeah. one hits right and i also think that time alters our perceptions not about Nirvana, like everybody got, got Nirvana at the time. Everybody, people probably haven't changed that much about Nirvana. But as I pointed out in some of the emails we were sending, so um, John Dankowski is sort of Gorman Bichard North, you know. So <laughs> and so we live up in Hartford under the weight of the baleful eye of John Dankowski and certain songs he doesn't like. In fact, Tucker Ives and I have talked about doing a podcast called Songs John Dankowski Doesn't <laughs> Like, you know, and there's sort of a lot of them. Um, but, I mean, the list from the 90s includes, I'm pretty sure this is fairly accurate, Spin Doctors, Sugar Ray, Gin Blossoms, Hootie and the Blowfish, Bare Naked Ladies, Third Eye Blind, Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, I could continue. And then, like some of those bands, you know, you probably hated all those. Uh, no, I, I thought the first three Goo Goo Doll yeah. records yeah. are freaking amazing. Yeah, but then do you they, still feel that way? The first three, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then the fourth was when they sort of just started going for that major label hit. Right. You know that. Well, that, I mean, I I credit my lack of interest in '90s music for the reason I got into African music in the first place. You know, it's like, well, there's nothing good on the radio, so I might as well look for something <laughs> I do like, <laughs> and. Off I went, never but, to return. But yeah. I think, like, to Lucy's point, times change, too. Like, I, you know, some of those bands I kind of liked in the 90s, and I don't know if I would really seek out a Bare Naked Ladies song at this point. No, <laughs> I mean, it's also we're living at a point where I think music is more accessible than it has been. And it's, yes. I mean, it's interesting because people also go back to vinyl. Vinyl is still in in the midst of writing this huge resurgence, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. But at the same time, I can log onto my computer or an app on my phone and see what albums NPR Music is drop is is talking about. And, and I did that this morning and they're talking about the new Jamila Woods album. And so immediately I'm listening to something that maybe during the 90s I wouldn't have had the same access to as a, just a, a kid with a radio. Hmm. 
Yeah, and I also feel like, well, I, these things also go in waves. Uh, the other example that I, I think of, I knew I was a back, bad rock critic when I didn't, when U2 came on the scene and I didn't like him and I didn't get him. And I even had a phone conversation with Bono where I told him he was going to lose his voice if he kept singing like that. And 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 then, like, everybody <laughs> thought U2 was really great and I realized I was a bad rock critic. And But now people don't so much anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. you were ahead right. of your time. Well, yeah. no, I was just stupid. But like, I've, <laughs> I, I, but if you wait long enough, you will come into fashion. Yeah. See, I've seen them twice and we walked out probably five <laughs> songs in both times. Mm. So, And that what once was, my God. Uh, New Haven Coliseum, probably the second album. Yeah. And then years later at the Hartford Civic Center, and it was right. just... Not good. Yeah. And in the first instance, they probably had New Haven Pizza in the green room, yeah, uh, based did, on actually. your documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I, I, I'm not a big fan. If you're going to be hitting light cues, you're not doing. You're not a rock and roll band anymore. Mm. You're a Broadway show. Yeah. Well, so that's another thing we hold against people is... Self-seeking, either commercially or you know, getting too slick, I guess. And maybe Vampire Weekend has that problem now. All right, so we should take a break now, so we have plenty of time to talk. Uh, it's been long in the making. We don't want to shortchange it now. Pizza, a love story, coming up after this. New York, Berlin All I do is lose, but baby All I want's to win Jerusalem, New York, Berlin If you haven't been to New Haven and had Pepe's Sally's and modern. You really can't talk about pizza with any authority, I don't think. Sally's. Modern. Peppies. Sally's. Peppies first. Modern. There's great things about each of them, and I uh, I don't like to take sides in the in the pizza war. You have to go with Sally's. So is Sally's. Oh, Sally's. Sally's. I was raised on Sally's. By far Sally's. I like Sally's. Sally's, basically. And if I had to choose between the three, I would choose modern. 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 Modern hot beats. Right here, Frank Peppies. Best pizza in the world. Peppies. Peppies pizza. I'm a Pepe guy. Peppies. 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 Sally's peppies are modern. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's a huge learning curve when you're sitting down for that first pie? There is a learning curve, because people will, oh, why is it cut like this? Why is it shaped like this? Why is it burnt? And yeah, I bet when they say, why is it burnt, a little part of you, your heart stops. And you say, oh, we need to educate these people right now that this is not burnt, this is char, this is the beauty, this is what this pizza is all about. 
All right, that, of course, is from Pizza, A Love Story, the long-awaited documentary from Corman Bouchard, who's sitting right next to me here in our New Haven studios. Pizza, A Love Story has its New Haven premiere at this year's NH Docs, the New Haven Documentary Film Festival. That'll be uh, Saturday, June 1st. Uh, the New Haven Documentary Film Festival is 11 days of free documentary films in New Haven with three days of Michael Moore showing and talking about seven of his films. First time he's ever done that. It all starts May 30th. Almost 120 films in all, plus panels, some of them moderated by Lucy Gelman, uh, uh, workshops, a student film competition, musical performances, vegan food trucks. Uh, oh, that's so New Haven. And also appearing at this year's NH Docs, D.A. Pennybaker, Chris Hegedus, Laura Poitras, Corbin Bichard himself, of course. More info at nhdocs.com. All right. So um, should we talk about Gorman like he's not here? We could do that. That would be fun. Yes. Uh, <laughs> First off, did you, you realize I announced this documentary on your show in 2008? Right. 2008, you said that you were going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, so I book a little free time in 2010. I'll watch this movie. Uh, what, why? I mean, actually, in all seriousness, that's a long time to be working on a movie. And you were doing a lot of other projects while you were doing that. Was it the other pro- projects that got in the way? Or you, you couldn't get the rights to that Seinfeld clip? Or no, like, no. You know? it, it was that um, Pepe's is very well documented. Trying to find pictures of modern from 1938 or which wasn't even called modern then or Sally's from that era really difficult and we it wasn't until we came uh, Dean Dean Falcone's my co-producer on this it wasn't until Dean and I found this uh, historian named Colin Kaplan mm-hmm. who's and who is just a whiz with pictures and and we started really putting it together so Lucy uh, we've, we've yeah. all now watched individually uh, this documentary so I don't know just react Oh, I, I think it's fantastic. I, uh, I, I have shared this with um, Brian and Gorman, but I don't love pizza. And it's not out of it's not because I have a particularly cold heart. It's because pizza is this unique combination of ingredients that tend to make me physically unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, like sensitivities to gluten, to tomato and to cheese. And so when you put them all together, <laughs> it's a difficult thing. But I loved this because when I arrived in New Haven, one of the first things I heard about was these pizza wars. And I really thought people were pulling my chain. I thought, oh, this isn't a real thing. And then I quickly discovered that it was. And I will say pizza, I, I think for many New Haveners and for me, has played an important role in my life in the city. Um, Sally's was one of the first places I went When I lived here, I was living with a couple. I had no friends. I didn't really know them very well. And that evening was kind of the first time I was like, okay, I'm in the right place. I'm going to be okay. And there was Fox and Park Soda involved. And um, and I told Gorman this every year. I break Passover uh, with modern pizza, a veggie bomb, which is very good, uh, and, and with beer, which is not related to this documentary. But not unrelated to not it unrelated either because yeah. what I mean what are you going to drink with pizza what do you what about you Brian just go ahead uh, so my relation to New Haven pizza is that I moved here from New York City where I was led to believe had you know was where the best pizza in the country was and then uh, had my first bite of a Sally's pie and was like no this is it <laughs> this is the best pizza I was a um, I was a born again pizza eater like I understand fundamentalist Christianity because of my zealotry for the pizza. (laughs) I'm not even exaggerating because Mm. next to playing music, eating is my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. And pizza is among one of my favorite things to eat. Right. And so, so Pe- Pepe's is the father, Sally's is the son, and Modern is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I am living in the New Jerusalem of, of eating. And uh, 
yeah. So this this documentary, I I I laughed. I I cried a little mm. every once in I a while. I got a little choked up too during yes, this. I did not expect absolutely. that to happen. It was yeah. great. It was great, and all of the all of this all of the great stories to come out about. I loved the way that it it wove the history of the pizza with the history of the city, um, and because half my family is Italian American, there's the there's the constant sort of just like you know these people are my relatives. Yeah. They mm-hmm. they remind me constantly of you know uh, it, yeah my my own my own family, which is delightful. I like I love I love the like the atavistic nature of it. I love the idea of you know. They're going to stay open late for Frank Sinatra, but the president can take a hike. You know that right. kind of stuff. So I, we should say also, I love it. This this, this uh, <laughs> documentary is full of all kinds of New Haven people, New Haven characters yes. that, that Brian and Lucy probably know that that I don't, and and food experts and foodies and chefs and and also like some celebrities. Um, it is wonderful to hear politicians and touring musicians talk about what they don't do. Right. Yes. You know, like it's you see Chris Murphy as a human being talking about pizza and Rosa Delora as a human being and and Lyle Lovett as if well, I couldn't love him anymore. <laughs> is so yeah, the first person you ravishingly hear, eloquent. Yeah. First person you see or hear in this movie is Lyle Lovett. I'm a huge Lyle Lovett fan. We'll, yes. we'll go see him at the drop of a hat. And I, I I have seen him talk from the stage about. In fact, there's a picture of him in the movie holding a pizza New Haven pizza box, yeah. and I'm thinking I feel like I might have even been at that show or maybe that it was happens College a lot. Street oh, probably about two years ago. So. Um, and he's also one of the last. There, there's one kind of soliloquy that you have him have him doing near the end, where he talks like very poetically about how the it's crust, the crust accepting the sauce. I mean, he really is a, a poet about. I mean, if you've ever heard him talk about Mexican food, you realize this is not confined to pizza. I mean, he's obviously a poet about food and very particular about about which foods he eats. But um, I don't know. Did you have like? Uh, a thing that you got, like uh, an interview that you got, that really made you super happy as a filmmaker. Oh, I mean, well, the Lyle Lovett was wonderful because I mean, I I, I remember just smiling as he's saying yeah. these lines because there are just so many amazing things. Right. Uh, every once in a while, someone will tell that story. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, even Michael Bolton. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Bolton talking about you know skipping the lines. You're right. Um, and and because the only this person was a, th- that was a good story that made Michael Bolton cooler. Yeah, yeah. That yes. he can skip the lines, or that he feels bad about it. The whole, the whole, yeah. his whole relationship to skipping the line that yeah. was really delightful. And how you have to like keep your head down, not make <laughs> eye contact. I mean, that was great. It, it goes back to Brian's point of you really realize that these are people, and they're not talking about yeah. what they do, and it's it's fun. I mean, in the whole thing of, you know, he, here he is playing his favorite place, Royal Albert Hall in London, and a friend's wife brings six pizzas from Sally's, and it just completely, they forget about where they're playing, they forget about everything, it's all about the pizza. The, um, you know, just, uh, I want to come back to the movie for just a, in just a second, but when you guys started emailing, and so in order to make this movie, you really do have to set up that holy trinity of those three and, and put them in opposition. I, them as uniters and dividers. You know, people are united in their worship of uh, New Haven pizza, but they are very divided about what's the best. I think it's mostly fun to argue about what's the best uh, as opposed to anything else. Uh, But you guys, just for people who are listening who don't know New Haven pizza that well, you guys started mentioning some other places, particularly Old old World? Old World. Old World's in Hamden, and it opened about 20 years ago or so. And it really is, it's it's one of the guys from Modern, and he (laughs) opened up a place. And it is... One of my friends calls them the Modern refugees. Mm. Oh, see, I, see, I, yeah. See, I, I actually call it modern light. I mean, yeah. but it's it's it, it yeah, is yeah. it is probably. I to me, there are three great pizza places on the planet. I consider that like 
like three A. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Same. The other thing that was a surprise to me, Gorman, was how many places there are around the country that now claim mm-hmm. to be serving New Haven pizza, and that that's a, a meaningful thing to claim if you're in Chicago or San Francisco or someplace like that. Well, it's, the Peace Pizza, the, if someone from Guilford opens up a restaurant, a pizza restaurant in Chicago, and it becomes the single most successful standalone pizza restaurant in the country, that says pretty much everything. Yeah. And Lucy, it's interesting that you sort of saw pizza as an on-ramp to getting to know New Haven, getting to know people in New Haven. Yeah. Because in some ways it could be kind of off-putting too. Like there's this huge, you should pardon the expression, encrusted story <laughs> that, that you know, I mean, it's there in Gorman's documentary. This has been going on for decades and, and people have all their little idiosyncratic uh, preferences and you could feel a little left out of the whole thing. But but maybe nobody's left out of it. No, I, I don't think people are left out of it. I mean, I mean, it is what I come back to with pizza every time is it is a modest food. It's a humble food and a cheap food. And most people really enjoy it. So it's kind of this, and Gorman, I think you made this point, that it's one of the very few foods that people share. Um, So, of course, there are family-style dinners, and and that's a different thing. But this is literally a shared food where you're cutting for different, or maybe the restaurant cuts for you, uh, or I should say the establishment, because there's a whole discussion about whether an establishment and a restaurant are the same thing. But, but yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. And it is a food. It's a food that seems very democratic too. It's one of the only things. So uh, I and a colleague teach young journalists, and it's one of the things that they'll open up about when we teach them. One of our first questions is, "What's your favorite pizza?" And actually, usually it's rarely one of the Holy Trinity, which maybe is blasphemous. But um, but but all of a sudden they get a little friendlier. They don't think we're these. I don't know, scary, imposing people. I've I've recently realized that they think I'm really old, which is something I'm also dealing with. But um, the, the, yeah, to the point that you made at the beginning, I think there's, I think it's Gordon Ramsay in the uh, movie who says that you don't even get plates, right? Right. You don't mm-hmm. even. I don't know if it's that's true at all three <laughs> that's places. At Sally's. But, um, at Sally's. The other places, uh, uh, Pepe's gives you paper plates, so does Modern. Yeah. But a lot, most people I know don't even use them. Right. They eat off the trays. Right. Yeah. There's sort of an incidental. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I I don't know. I mean, I I have a million questions uh, about this movie, but um, but I also want to get a few more reactions here from the panel. Um, I don't know, uh, Brian. Did you have a particular? I guess your favorite moment is the Sinatra story. Maybe you should just quickly sort of flesh that story out a little bit. There is so there are a lot of favorite moments. Um, yeah, that's one of them. One of them is that it turns out that um, Frank Sinatra uh, he was like, I have to I have to remember like the setup for this thing. But he was playing in New Haven, Which and right, right, they're hungry it. after a gig. Which, by the way, true story. Like every time any musician plays music, the first thing they think of when they stop is like what they're gonna eat. Yeah, it's, it's just a thing. So that whole story rings so true. Well, you should the tell about ends. the Argentine Argentine guys. Oh, my my yeah. little story. Yeah. So in fact, just this week, I was hosting a band from Argentina. They're touring the Northeast and they're heading south. They're called Che Apalache. Um, and they, uh, they I, the first time they had come through town, I they were in a real rush, so I got them pizza from Old World because it's close to my house. And they were like, this is the best. I was like, so actually it's not the best. The next time you come back, I should take you to one of the, like, the places that we think is the best. So I took them to Pepe's for lunch because one of the people in the bands was intrigued by the whole white clam pie thing. Uh, so we went there and we're waiting and the service is slow because that's how it is. Mm-hmm. And they're just going like, wow, the service is slow. I was like, just wait. It's, it's going to be worth it. And we're sitting and we're talking. Finally, the pizza arrives. 
and they I watch as they all take their first bite and there's this sort of like light in their eyes, <laughs> you know, and I said, so a lot of people think this is the best pizza in the country. What do you, is this the best pizza you've ever had? And one of them goes, yes, <laughs> without, without even, you know, without batting an eye. I always relate the first bite to um, we've all seen or hopefully we've all seen the movie Train Spotting where everyone's shooting up heroin yes. and their eyes roll back in their head and they just fall back. Oh yeah, that's what oh, man, someone's absolutely. first bite, I believe, of New Haven Pizza really looks like when I bring in out of towners. <laughs> you know, there is yes. that whole idea though of like this, and this is in the movie the slow the, the slow service. And, and although I don't find that to be the case at Modern, Modern is probably the place I usually go, and they're, they yeah they kind of they they do they, speed they get you in and out of there pretty fast. Hard. But but there's this idea that you have to. You should suffer. That the suffering is part of it. You should. I mean, unless you're Gorman Bouchard or, or Michael Bolton, you have to wait in this, you know, one two hour line at Sally's. But that that's somehow or other folded into the experience. Although I've never completely been able to embrace that idea. I mean, is yeah. it suffering though, or is it just like you know, time out? You should just sit here and relax, and your food yeah. will come when it comes. You make new friends, right? You do. Yeah. You do. You mean waiting in, <laughs> waiting in the line for two hours? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would imagine I have some pretty close friends at that point. But, um, <laughs> but people were almost trying to outdo them, each other in the movie. Like, oh, well, I was here. It was 20 below. Well, and right. I waited. For <laughs> and the other thing is that, like, the lines happen only at a certain time of day. Right. If mm-hmm. you go super early, if you go super late, there are no lines. Well, although there were scenes in the movie of people lining up before the thing is open, too. So, yeah, yeah, the yeah. weekend because uh, they because they yeah. went on the weekend. Well, and yeah. you see that you see that still on the weekend <laughs> if you're like if you go yeah. to Worcester Square to kind of sit, or if you go to the farmers market, which is nearby, and then you go over to Worcester Street. I mean, you see hundreds of people, especially yeah. as it gets warmer. So I have to ask one question, Gorman. This came came up in the emails, and I think it is a good question. So there are these three pizza places that matter they're all within walking distance easy walking distance of one another pepe's now is like in other places how do you feel about that i don't really consider those the other the offshoots <laughs> to be real pepe's yeah. I, I consider i and honestly when i if i'm going to go to pepe's i really prefer to go to the spot which is the original oven and back at a parking lot yeah. um and and you know i mean a few of them the one in waterbury probably because of the you know the number of italians that live in waterbury is right. actually quite good mm-hmm. uh, the one at the casino which is the only other one i've been to is mm-hmm. like the disneyland version you have right. to actually ask for it to be cooked right Good, good food at this yeah. casino. Very hard to come by anyway. So, um, <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, we should probably stop there. Um, there's so much more, and so you, if when you see this movie, which you probably will, uh, you'll learn a lot about ovens. Uh, you'll learn, hear some wild speculation about water, uh, and you'll hear <laughs> kind of the pizza equivalent of terroir being discussed. You know, so uh, you'll learn about all kinds of things about pizza that you don't know. Uh, and the movie, of course, is Pizza: A Love Story, coming up at the New Haven Documentary Film Festival. That's the last weekend in May, first weekend in June, sort of right in there somewhere. We've told you all about it. We're going to take a little break. We'll come back. We'll endorse some things. Pizza boys here. I got your red hot pizza and I hope you got me. So I guess this would be the wrong time to mention that I recently had pizza with Sting, Hammer, and Bono at one of the non-New Haven Pepe's. By the way, Sting, Hammer, and Bono are now touring as kind of the new Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Today's show is produced by Jonathan McMozzarella and me, Kyone Wolf. The part of Bill Curry was played by Billy Joel. 
On Monday's show, we'll tackle the weekend's news with the scramble. And now, back to Colin. All right, now time for our panel to uh, make some endorsements. So why don't we start with Lucy Gelman? Okay, I have two. The first, I mentioned this, um, NPR does a sort of a weekly music roundup, and they recently profiled Jamila Woods's new album, which is called Legacy, Legacy. There are exclamation points in there, so I think I'm saying it wrong. It's really good. Folks should listen. But then while we're on the topic of pizza, and Gorman may think this is blasphemous, but um, I, I really want to endorse Next Door, New Haven, which is across from Jocelyn Square on Humphrey Street. It's um, There are two chefs over there, Doug Coffin, who for years has run the Big Green Pizza truck, and then Chef Robin Bodak, who is leading a team of either all or mostly female chefs, which is actually really rare in the restaurant industry. The food there is exceptional. It's really fun, and both Doug and Robin come out and talk to patrons. Um, it, it's become, in like less than a year, a very special place for me, and I, um, I can't recommend it highly enough. Again, the place is called Next Door. Next Door, Next New door. Haven. Yeah, for, for people who live in New Haven, it's the Old Humphreys, and it actually yeah. is quite good. It's it's got one of the best plain pies I've had outside of the Trinity. So right. that is high praise. Yes, so that is very high praise. All right, uh, Brian, you want to go next? Sure. So on the music thing, for those of you who like Vampire Weekend and are wondering where they got their sounds, <laughs> I would recommend this album by the Bundu Boys. B H U N D U, boys. Um, it's called The Shed Sessions. It's two and a half hours of this like amazing alchemy of Zimbabwean and South African uh, pop music that these this band got together and knocked out of the park. And it's a great album. Um, the other thing that I would recommend is a specific, uh, uh, specific toppings for New Haven pizzas mm-hmm. that I was turned on to recently, which would be red pie, no mutts, uh, clams, and whatever hot peppers they have. Hmm. And that's it. Right. Just those, just those things. And I've, I, I at one point decided to like eat it at different places, and it, it worked every time. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, th- you're a risk taker though, because like there's often quite a bit of competition among uh, Italian establishment owners as to who can get the hottest peppers. I uh, love them all. Yeah, I love all of them. Um, all right. Well, so uh, Gorman, what are you going to uh, recommend? I'm, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to promote NH Docs, but not the pizza low story screening because there's there's so many amazing films. About half of them are from Connecticut filmmakers, mm-hmm. uh, and we are covering every uh, subjects that range from policing in New Haven and in Hartford to the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, and every everything in between. And there are some amazing musical performances. Fred Hirsch, the classical and jazz mm. pianist, is going to be playing after a documentary that's about him. Uh, Van Duren, who was a was going to be the next big thing. And he, if you love Big Star, this is this person will remind you of Big Star. And he put out a couple of albums in the 90s. And he's going to be playing at Cafe 9 after the documentary on him. And we have the, the for other rockers, we have a documentary on Cream Magazine, which was, of course, the alternative to Rolling Stone back in the 70s. And it's fun. It's obnoxious. And a bunch of local musicians afterwards at Cafe 9 are going to be doing songs from cover artists. So there's there's mm-hmm. the, the, the festival has so much. And with the exception of the two Cafe 9 shows, shows everything is free. Ah. Um, so first of all, I, I should say that um, 
I was struggling for an endorsement this week. I don't know why. I mean, I've just either been living a very sheltered life or a very uh, busy life. But I sort of came up with one based on what I thought we would talk about a little bit more. We were emailing a little bit about sort of, yeah, things that things and artists that are cool and then they become not cool and then sometimes they have the ability to get back to being cool and like an example would be Tom Jones you know who was very cool for a while and then he was kind of like very out of style and out of fashion and then I think partly because of the movie Mars Attacks uh, he kind of you know crawled back into and and now I think Tom Jones is is pretty cool so um, um, my example is going to be I think a, a perfect example of this is Phil Collins so Phil Collins was was the drummer for Genesis, which is at that what was at that time, particularly for somebody like John Dankowski, that would be a, like a really cool thing to be the drummer for Genesis. Uh, then Peter Gabriel left Genesis. Uh, Phil Collins came out to be the front man, and then he kind of discovered himself as a vocalist and as a star. He went off on his own, and then he started pursuing very very commercial music and doing very very commercial music. And people who would have thought that he was cool at the beginning thought he was the opposite of that—that that he was this kind of treacly, self self-serving, uh, you know, money-grubbing <laughs> commercial artist. Uh, and were bothered by him more than they might have been bothered by somebody who started out that way. I think so. But here's the thing: like, I really I love redemption, and so the thing that I'm going to endorse is, and I think if you could just Google this pretty easily on This American Life, uh, Ira Glass's show, there's an episode, part of an episode called Doctor Phil, and in it, a woman correspondent who's been through a terrible breakup and is interested in the idea of like the perfect heartbreak song, the perfect song to commemorate a, a terrible breakup, uh, just the way that Lucy was talking about Vampire Weekend being the soundtrack for a breakup. She winds up getting him on the phone somehow, and he takes this very seriously, and he has a long conversation. He, he's funny. Uh, he's sympathetic. He's human. Uh, and I don't think there's any way you can listen to this and not forgive Phil Collins for every bad thing that he ever did, every musical crime you think he might have committed. So that'll be my endorsement today. Just track that down, Dr. Phil, uh, on uh, This American Life, and you will fall back in love with Phil Collins, assuming you ever fell out. Thanks very much to everybody, especially Jonathan uh, McPants, who's down here with us and making this whole thing happen in our New Haven studios at Gateway College. And thanks to Lucy and Gorman and Brian, and we'll be back on Monday. Place to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> it's cozy. Like a cracker bell. Yeah, we all be laughing, talking, joking, talking about this and talking about that. And talk about everything as a matter of fact. Oh yeah. Talk about Torrington, Vernon, Danbury, Waterbury, Oliveberry, Woodbury. said that one, Avon, Farmington, yeah, 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 yeah.